Listener Production. Hello and welcome to That's Enough Already, the podcast where we forensically pick apart the things that shit us to absolute death. Today's guest is a powerhouse of the Australian comedy scene. Dane Simpson is featured on Have You Been Paying Attention, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival Gala, and he's been down at the local fish and chip shop in Wagga Wagga. He's also given me a stubby that says Wagga Wagga on it, and I'm very proud of it. In this chat, we'll talk about the impact family has had on Dane's career, how his dad derailed his wedding ceremony, and if you're looking at making a big career change, I'm sure you'll take something from Dane's story about jumping ship from a job with a collar and a toy to ending up on stage. You can follow Dane Simpson at The Dane Simpson or just chill out at the aforementioned fish and chip shop. It's a pleasure to introduce Dane Simpson. Shh, that's quite enough. Just just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Shush, please. Uh Yes, I can hear. But I don't care. That's enough already. Dane Simpson, as I live and breathe with your tight haircut and your beautiful microphone. <laughs> how are you? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. How good is it just to be performing again? <laughs> it's so good. I love it. Like, we're back. We get to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's still that sort of um, hesitancy for people to come out, but mm. I feel like we're all starting to get back to normal. Love that. Love that. And I love being on stage. It feels good. It feels good. It feels almost normal as well. Do you um, think people are hesitant to come out or people just don't want to put pants on? <laughs> Maybe that's it, eh? <laughs> you know what? I'm happy for them to not put pants on and come to the show. Just buy a ticket. That's all, I, that's all I want. <laughs> yeah. I'm encouraging people to come to my show with pants off now. That's what I want. Yeah. I want them to come in your pyjamas. Just be comfortable. People say to me sometimes as they go, can I bring my seven-year-old? I'm like, it's your seven-year-old, mate. You do you. <laughs> Some people don't strap their kids in. You bring them. Like, if, if you're happy for your seven-year-old to have a fuck ton of questions at the end of my show, you want to work your way through it, bring that seven-year-old. Let's let's do this, you know. I wouldn't bring my seven-year-old, but that's that's mm. my choice. I go, but... And people do. Like, I'll look down and go, fuck, there's a seven-year-old in my show. And then I cannot... Talk, I can't point it out to the audience because I don't no. want the audience to go, oh, she's talking about dragging her flaps, you know, and <laughs> here's a seven-year-old in the audience. I don't want to make anyone aware of it, but it's awkward in that area with that seven-year-old sitting. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, look, we all find it hard to find babysitters sometimes, but Christ on a boy. <laughs> in a show, because your show at the moment, the one that you're doing right now, Doozy. Like it's quite interactive, right? You get them up, they they moving, they. But isn't it amazing how, as a group, the audience um, will sort of go, "We're a collective. We're in this together." Like they become this fucking dance troupe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's exactly so it. I I feel like the audiences are just up for it, ready to just dance and rock and roll. I love that. Nuts. Hey, how long have you been doing comedy? Oh, I started back in, um, back in, I shouldn't even say that because it's not even that long ago, 2015, I did Deadly Funny. Yeah. Um, so not that long. Um, I met my partner when I first ever started doing comedy and it's just been a shared sort of roller coaster for both of us, which is just, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. But I think when you're partnered up with a comedian, you're like, the comedian doesn't know where, where any of the shit's going and neither does the partner. So it's sort of, you know, everyone's fucking flying blind with this. And I got married early this year. Oh, I was just going to say, when you said partner, 
was like, would you engage? Yeah, I got married in uh, in January. So we waited for the height of Omicron variant to really be. Amazing. Now's the time. Let's get in yeah. while everybody's getting sick around us. So. And where did you get married? Uh, we got married in Wagga Wagga at the Botanic Gardens, which was cool. Amazing. Um, okay, so my dad, uh, we went down to the ceremony early, obviously, being the groom, and dad just went, where's the beers? And I'm like, there's no beers here, Dad. We're at the ceremony. They'll be up at the reception. Uh, he's not having any of that. He lived across the road, walked home, um, got like a six-pack of beers, drove back because it's right bang on time where the bride's coming now. The bridesmaid walked down the aisle and my brother, who's the best man, is just giving me a play-by-play because I don't get to see... I'm looking at him, he's looking back and he's telling me what's going on and he's like, the bridesmaids walked down and I was like, okay, cool, I'm getting nervous. And then he said, oh, shit, dad's walking down the aisle. How oh, no. This he's, is- <laughs> he's got six beers in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I quite literally heard him go, hey. <laughs> And then he, yeah, and he's like, all right, here comes Eleanor now. And I'm like, what happened? And he goes, I don't know. And I went, who were those six beers for? And he goes, for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's January in Wagga Wagga. It's hot. It's, it's hot. The ceremony is going to be half an hour. I need six beers, yeah. Dane. And what what's your mum doing at this point? Um, I think she's probably like shaking her head and counting her blessings to thank God I divorced that man 30 years ago and I'm, I'm not putting yeah. up with this right now. Isn't it lovely at weddings that you get to have that experience? Like <laughs> when people go, oh, my parents got divorced years ago. Were you married yet? Because that's when the fun, you know, when <laughs> they sort of forced to be <laughs> in a room together, you know, because weddings are actually fucking boring. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You're in uncomfortable clothing. It's usually too hot. You're like, if I wasn't here, I'd be soaking my balls in a tub of water right now. <laughs> like it's 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 too hot, too hot. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I and definitely now, wouldn't be wearing the underwear that I'm wearing. That's yeah. for sure. This this thick suit, you know, like it doesn't yeah. even make sense. I, yeah, weird. I've never been as drunk in my life as the day I got married. Never. Wow. Wow. Oh, I just had the best time. The best time. Yeah. I, I had the absolute most amazing time, but I felt like I'm the only one taking this seriously. Like I'm <laughs> on the day, everyone's looking at me like, ah, ah, you're going to you're gonna make a joke? And I'm like, no, I'm getting married. This is yeah. time off. I'm not working today. This is my yeah. day where I'm just having a good time. But Eleanor is just making jokes left, right and centre, popping them in the vows, being silly, just really living it up. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I wrote I love you and cherish you and you're like, oh, I <laughs> promise not to spill the porridge on you again. <laughs> like, what are you doing, mate? Yeah. I'm going to be talk- with you even if your balls be dragging down the footpath. <laughs> and you're like, you're like an angel wrapped in a halo and a cotton clout. And she's like, your balls are as ugly as your forehead. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's dead set. I think people at that wedding who haven't seen my show before are looking at me like, this guy sucks as a comedian. And I'm like, I'm not I'm not on today, mate. I'm not working. Yeah. This is this is me. And I felt like I was the only one doing that because my brother got up and roasted me 
and got the world's biggest laugh. I'm like, where are you guys at my show? Because he, this yeah. guy's destroying and you're loving it, but at my shows no one's laughing this loud. This is ridiculous. Um, I'm thanking everyone and I'm getting cooked. This just doesn't make sense <laughs> at my wedding. That's oh, all right. Your second one, you'll, you'll, you'll approach it different. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I was talking to uh, Tommy Dean and uh, he was giving me wedding advice and he said, with your first wife, don't call her your first wife. And I just love yeah. that. I think that that's probably one of the best sayings. I, I, Tahi gave me, he said, if you, if you love her, tell her that you love her is the best advice I can give you. And I love that. Went home, dead set, same day. Uh, and she walked past me, Eleanor walked past me in the kitchen and I was like, oh, you, you smell lovely. You, you smell like, you smell like vanilla. That's, and she said, yeah, that's our new toilet spray. I just took a shit. And I'm like, I feel like, (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm the only one playing this game. Like now with a pandemic, my mum got trapped with me uh, for four months during lockdown. Like that is the nightmare scenario. Like you yeah. think you've had a tough lockdown and then your mum comes to visit the, you go into snap lockdown for four months and you're like, oh, my God. No. I don't give a fuck how much you love your parents. That's too long. And uh, But I, I would... I would always Glen 20 everything. If I buy groceries as come in, I spray Glen 20 on it and then wipe everything down. And yep. um, so everything. And even, you know, when we get out of the car, fucking Glen 20 if we put anything in the car. And um, I went away for a couple of days for a job. And then when I got back, my mum goes, oh, I know when you're home because I can smell your perfume. I'm like, that's Glen 20. <laughs> what you're smelling is Glen 20. So if I died in a fire, my mum would have looked for my perfume everywhere so she could remember me and just fucking be spritzing Glen 20 through there. <laughs> this hospital reminds me of Ursula. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, this really brings back memories. Like, oh, we're just cleaning up after a corpse. Fucking <laughs> hell. What's the population of Wagga Wagga? Uh, it's roughly about 75,000 now. We, we're starting to yeah. be on the grow again, uh, which is – it's big. It's a big country town. So it's – and it's cool to live there because it, it's got everything you need but you can still park out the front of a fish and chip shop sort of thing. So it's that, yeah. it's that perfect amount of people. A part of me thought that you might be the mayor of – and when I say mayor, um, people of New Zealand Australia, that's how you say mayor, which <laughs> I can't say mayor because that's a lady horse, so I say mayor because that's how Jesus intended it. This, this <laughs> so I honestly thought you were like some politician or something from Wagga Wagga that then started doing but, comedy because you have a mural and everything in town. I'm like, yeah. this guy is a big fucking deal. No, no, it's a, I, I love where I'm from, but it's also like, um, it's because it's cheap, really. I, I live there. It's cheap to live there. It's also like I live. I bought a house one block away from the from the pub. Perfect. Like that's I'm Amazing. I'm living the high life. Um, exactly, and also coffee is probably a lot fucking cheaper in Wagga than it is in, you know, living out in the western suburbs or eastern suburbs of Sydney. You know what's strange? Um, I comment on this all the time whenever I go to Melbourne. Coffee is more expensive in Wagga than what it is in Melbourne. Melbourne's got really cheap coffee, but beers are so much cheaper in Wagga than what they are in Melbourne. Like the Melbourne special prices 
is our everyday, normal, regular price of a beer. I'm all for that. I'm down. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I can't. <laughs> You're like, look, we you saving the one. You're making it up on the, you know. <laughs> I don't have. You're depressed in the morning when you buy the coffee. You're like, this is ridiculous. But in the evening you go, you have redeemed yourself. You know what you've done? You've redeemed yourself 12 times because I'm dead set. I'm, I'm not buying 12 coffees, but I'm 100% yeah. buying 12 beers. So I'm more, I'm, a, I'm ahead every time. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. I think I hosted your first gala. Was I the host of your gala? Yeah, you were. The first time that I did the gala was 2018, uh, which is crazy. Can we just say that's three years into your career, that is fucking unheard of. It's it's so, so like blowing my mind. And you'd never believe this, and I talked about it in my first ever solo show, but I, because I used to work for the state government, I, uh, I work with young people with intellectual disabilities and acquired brain injuries, and uh, I was wow. a case manager and we just doing assessments and stuff and finding out how much money the government could could give them for respite and things like that. I My senior manager said, you need to either do comedy or do this job, which is a career. And I was like, oh, of course I'm going to stay with this job. Like I'm not going to do comedy. That's ridiculous. Uh, and then tours and stuff came up and she just wouldn't let me go and I, it just really annoyed me and I, I quit one day. I just put my notice of leave uh, on like five to five on a Friday afternoon. I jumped in the car. I was really emotional and shaky because like I just quit a job and I shouldn't have. I've got no other career prospects. And then I drove to see my mum because I was 35 at the time and I just wanted to talk to an adult, I think. And then I pulled into a driveway and the Melbourne International Comedy Festival rang me and said, can you come and do the gala? That was one hour after I quit. It just felt... Felt like just everything coming together and I was, yeah, yeah. blowing my mind. Just absolutely mind-blowing events and, uh, yeah, ever since then did that gala and then we did Have You Been Paying Attention after that, only a couple of months after that and then everything just went bananas. So, yeah, what a crazy, like, crazy roller coaster. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Did you text your mum to say, I'm on my way, I need to go and talk to you or did you ring her or did... Because in her mind she would have prepared herself, you know, your yep. mum's a smart lady. She used to teach yeah. Indigenous um, education at, at the university. She would have yeah. gone, all right, Dane needs me. She would have, you know, like as a mum you sort of probe, okay, what can I say to this kid? And then you burst through the door and now you're all happy or what What, what did you actually say to her then when you got inside? I'd- so I didn't, um, I didn't message, I didn't give her the heads up at all. The reason why is because mum is an academic and has been for like for years and years. Mum's one of those people who was told that she can't do anything um, when she was, I think there was like a, a law in 72, I think they abolished it, but it was like you Aboriginal people weren't allowed to go to school at the principal's discretion, whether they were allowed to go to school or not, which really sucks. And then some white family moved to Queensland uh, and they they said, I don't want my kids going to school with this Aboriginal family. So they kicked out mum and her siblings. I think mum was in year nine. And because she's just this strong-headed person she just will never never take no she went back to school later in her years and got a high school degree uh and then went on to uni on yeah and she became a she became a teacher uh she always says um 
I don't think anyone should be denied education, so I'll be a teacher. And then she became a teacher, a primary school teacher, and then she became a lecturer um, in education and then like a senior lecturer B at the Melbourne University. Like mind-blowing. Uh, and I'm really mm-hmm. proud of her because I think that that's such a really cool thing. Uh, but it's all done out of spite, like 100% done out of spite that she's so like pig-headed. I know that she was going to yell at me like – She's going to say, why would you leave a job? Um, and then we, we we're probably going to just talk about like how stupid I am for leaving such a, a predominant career. I'd been there for 12 years. Comedy is such a fickle business. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to try and find a job and all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, she would 100% just went, all right, let's sit down and like work out your resume and, and get you, yeah. let's apply for some jobs and that type of stuff. And then, yeah, and then I walked inside I told her what had happened and then she we started into that conversation and then I said, and also the Melbourne International Comedy Festival rang me and said, can we do the gala? And she said, did they ring you first or did they ring you after? Um, and I was like, no, they literally just rang me while I was in the driveway. Yeah. So, but still things have worked out. Um, yeah. So it was really, it was lovely, but it was sort of like uh, cautious, should I say. Mum's always yeah. like, wants the best for for both yeah, yeah being me and so my that was very difficult for my mum and her her accountant brain to understand she's like why would you leave and who will pay your rent like have you worked out a budget like and all and I go no I haven't I haven't actually I know I can pay everything I need to pay um and I've got about three months up my sleeve where I can if I need to I mean I will go shovel shit if I need to to keep yeah. comedy going, but I wouldn't shovel shit to keep advertising going. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I guess I need another job. <laughs> you know, I would literally go clean dishes, go, I need two days of the week uh, where I have to clean dishes, but then the rest of the week I've got all these open mic spots. You know, yeah. so, yeah. And, and that's how you know you found something that speaks to your soul, you know. Absolutely. But, it was tough. Like it was easier for me to come out of the closet and tell my mother I'm a lesbian than it was to go, I'm going to be a comedian. Okay. She took the comedian really tough. The lesbian, <laughs> she's like, that's fine. That's, that's fine. Are you earning from it? <laughs> I, I already had, so I had savings sitting in my bank um, from the government work. Again, Wagga Wagga is yeah. so cheap. So I've just, I, I was... Yeah putting side money. It was costing me money within that first sort of six months. Um, but mm. I ended up, I was really lucky. I, I went up on the um, Aboriginal Comedy All-Stars tour. They they picked me up. They needed an opening act. And, yeah, I roamed around with them. So we were making money um, and it was fun. What has been so far, because, I mean, obviously there's still so much to come, what has been your proudest moment in comedy so far? Ooh, uh, yeah, my mum uh found out that I was going to be on the telly and that was just a really proud moment like a really cool thing yeah. um and the and the Wagga newspaper rang and wanted me to do a story and mum was like really into it and I feel like we were both being cautious about getting into the industry and then when she sort of she just felt more at ease um, I, I do a bit about it but a genuine story is when the newspaper rang me I rang mum and told them that the paper wanted to do a story on me. And because mum's such a, she's really tight with her money, but she's such a smart woman and she'll try and figure out how to save money. Uh, she said, 
what, 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 why are they doing a story on you? And I said, oh, I think they're just trying to find out what inspires my comedy and stuff. And she said, can you, can you tell them that your comedy is inspired by my garage sale on Saturday? Because I just need people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she's not wrong. It basically is. All of those little things are, the, yeah. you know, sort of the foundations of it. <laughs> I, and I just absolutely love that. Like I just, I, I love that her, her brain goes, oh, that's amazing. Also, I need you to do something for me. So if you can do, if you can have that done. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at someone. How about I just take out a classified, Mum? Yeah, she she said even like uh, we were doing a show, like a little cooking show on ABC, and she's like, should I mention that I'm going to sell my car? And I'm like, no. Also, I didn't know you were going to sell your car. And she goes, no, nah, I'm not, but I want to know how much I'd get for it. I went, Mum. <laughs> insurance they'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> so was she with you on tally yeah yeah we did a show called gourmet lazy uh we were cooking fried scones which is really fun i love what the uh, hell is a fried scone oh okay so um okay hang on let me get pen and paper dane tell me all about it and where can i get the recipe you had me at fried it's, it's god a scone is my mom's favorite and fried is my favorite you you should look this up. It's um yeah. If you look I, up gourmet I'm lazy, I'm literally writing it down. I'm not fucking about but- mate. <laughs> I'm writing down what you're saying right now. Fried scones. Yep. Where can I find the recipe? I'm gonna try it as soon as I get get off this podcast. Genuinely, I'm gonna have lo- this for lunch. What is it, it? it takes like a couple of minutes to make. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, and me and my mum made it on gourmet lazy. All the recipes in there. Like you can you can go in there, but it's just flour and water and like a bit of salt. There's no like. But I mean, scones are really easy to make. What I love too is mum's mum's on the telly. I know a little bit about the telly now. Like I, I'm starting to figure it out. And I know that we had to take the butter out of the butter container and put it into a glass bowl because we can't have yeah. brand names on the ABC yeah. and that type of stuff. And my mum, it's just me and my mum on the screen and she's buttering this fried scone and then she's like, and then you put some syrup on. I like to use Bundaberg syrup. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I was born in Bundaberg. So, and I'm, I'm giving it context. And she just looked at me and went, yeah, I know, I was there. <laughs> so, Mum, <laughs> <laughs> don't burn me on national television, Mum. Oh this is horrible. That's so good. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> so, because uh, you did a show at the at the festival, you took your dad on tour. Yeah. You include your parents in your in your comedy. Why is that, Dane? I he find them so funny. I find these yeah. because the, both my parents are Aboriginal, um, and I just love their take on today's yeah. world. Especially Dad. I just think Dad's such an idiot, and he's just got these ideas about the world. And like Dad doesn't even know how a text message works. He genuinely yeah. thinks he's got a missed call. Like he always pulling up his phone and he's like, oh, I didn't even hear that ring. And I'm like, that's it. Did, it's a text message, Dad. Like people are trying to message you. He doesn't understand that. He doesn't understand that you would send words instead yeah. of just ringing someone. Um, I love that. I love 
this idiot that's walking around in today's world. Um, and so, yeah, I take him with me and it helps me write my show, if anything. <laughs> your, dad, your dad is a record holder in Wagga for the most finger clicks or something in a minute or what, yeah. what does he have a record for? Uh, I just it, thought it, that is the funniest <laughs> shit I've ever heard. Like, you know when you hear, like, um, I'm in the Guinness Book of World Records for eating the most glasses and you're yeah, like, yeah. Who the fuck is eating glasses? And then your dad is one of these records. What is the record? Oh, he made it up. It's his record. Um, he's mm. just like, I'm the fastest clicker in Wagga Wagga. And then he clicks his fingers. He can, he can click, he clicks loud, like loud, loud, yeah. um, as if like banging a table loud. And yeah. he could like click Wipeout by the, by the Beach Boys. You know that? Yeah. He can, he can click that. That's how fast he is. But yeah, he gave himself he gave himself the record of being the fastest clicker. Well, in Wagga I mean, Wagga. that's how records start. Like you, you go. There's a guy. He was a non-smoker um, and famously broke the record for smoking the most cigarettes on World No Smoking Day. He <laughs> made this whole uh, like, and I still don't think that counts. He tied all these cigarettes together, and it was like the size of a dinner plate, and then he just sucked them in a circle like that and he smoked the most cigarettes at the same time. And I'm like, yeah, because no one's going to fucking challenge that. <laughs> no. It's no like the guy is- goes, I ate a glass, uh, you know, a glass bowl. And I'm like, okay, good on you. You can yeah. have that record. And I think your dad ha- can keep that record. Like oh. I think he, he needs a jacket or something like at the PGI. That's a- <laughs> he, he loves he loves. <laughs> Clicking his fingers and, and like, creating a beat and people start dancing. He's the Pied Piper. Harley Breen called him the Pied Piper of Fuck Up, which I love. I think that that's the funniest, like, name of somebody. <laughs> also, I've seen him, he's, we were at a pub, band was playing. They were singing like a, just like a love ballad, beautiful singing, just one person standing there singing in a mic with an iPad sort of thing. And my dad walked towards him and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. He's going to start clicking his fingers or something. And I started filming him and he just veered off to the right and just went into the men's toilets. And I was like, oh, that that didn't pan out the way that I thought it was going to. And I put my phone away and then all of a sudden the door kicks open to the toilets and he's got spoons that he's found somewhere. I don't know where he's got spoons from. In the men's room. In the men's room. If you find spoons in a men's room, it's that, those are there because someone's constipated. No one else would leave a spoon. <laughs> I feel like he like godfathered them earlier in the day, oh, and then yeah. he's like, "These these are going to come in handy." And he's he's just come out and just started clicking like the spoons, and everyone in that pub just went, "Yeah!" Like just like it was the greatest thing. And then he's like going up to the girl that's singing and loving it. It blows my mind. This type of stuff. That's why I take him with me. Like this is yeah. unheard of. People don't do that, but he does. Um, yeah. When we were in Queensland, uh, we went to the casino and we're hanging out. These uh, these big bikey guys, tattoos and stuff all over them. But in Queensland, it's, uh, it's illegal to be a part of a gang. Um, you can't have like gang colours and stuff on. And they had yeah. band-aids over a tattoo on their neck that clearly was saying that they were part of a gang. And they're standing next to us at the bar and this guy's ordered a beer and Dad just points at his neck and just goes, Oi, you're part of the Bandados. And I'm so scared. 
I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm genuinely like, oh no, what? How's this going to play out? And this guy just laughed and bought us beers, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> Dad, I thought you almost killed us then, but nah. He's because people, it's it's infectious, this fun yeah. and just being silly and and what like he's like yeah and this guy loved it. He's like yeah, I'm about that. That's great. And I think that yeah. that's why I became a comedian. I I know I can see Dad and he's he's fun and like loose and being silly and and telling jokes and stuff. But Mum is clever and straight up and down, and she tells really clever jokes. Like when she's being. Uh, funny they're just really intellectual stuff and I just love being a combo of these two people I think that that's yeah it's really cool yeah I think I sort of have the same like my dad was very funny some of the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life came out of his mouth Uh, and or one of his brothers like all my uncles are the same when they would get together and just uh, and whereas my mother is very straight but and her sense of humor is also very dry um, she's funny, but yeah. I think most of the time she doesn't know why she's funny. Yeah. She's just, but she's, she is hilarious to me and, like, <laughs> people laugh at her all the time. Um, and But you can tell she's genuinely like, oh, I see, I see. Like stuff like your your mum, yeah, I know I was there or, you know. Yeah. And, like, she once said, oh, because I was such a big baby, and she goes, um, you were like a, like a little baby rhino. She goes, you, you, you know, like, and just trying to explain to me my birth. And I'm like, nothing you're saying is complimentary. She goes, oh, it wasn't. It, it was absolutely gruesome. You know? <laughs> and it was just the funniest shit. And I'm like, it, uh-huh. it's so funny when she's like, whereas if my dad was explaining it, you would just, you know, like ugly laugh. Whereas hers, you kind of go, Am I getting roasted? What's yeah. happening? <laughs> you know, yeah. you're never sure. Oh. Hi, let me ask you, Dane. Um, what absolutely shits you about other people? Oh. What is the thing about other people that just fucking shits you to death? I Okay. The number one thing that really shits me, uh, I don't let it on though, but it's people realistically who comment on YouTube videos or on those types of videos online and say like just ridiculously racist, misogynistic, whatever, just shit things. Like that's such an – I think that they think that they're some kind of tough person by like keyboard worrying – for some reason, people just take time out of the day to, to write stupid racist stuff. I read it all. Um, I, I love reading it. Um, Anne Edmonds told me to read it um, years ago. She's like, read it everything and then in a couple of years you'll be fine. It'll just be water off a duck's back. And she's mm. bang on. Um I I don't, I'm not really responsive to a lot of it, but I read it because I'm interested in what people are writing. And And sometimes it helps, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I just say, like if you, if 99% of it is positive and 1% is negative, you're like, I'm on the right track. Yeah. But then if a lot of it, if a lot of people go, oh, that's out of line, I go, oh, yeah. I can see, I can see how we got here. All right, what about you shits you? Like what's the one thing about you that you go, fuck, I need to change this or I hate this about myself or what do you hate? Oh, 
um, about me, I don't know. I feel like I should be fitter. It's hard to really like be fit and all that type of stuff, especially like doing what I do, like going to uh, festivals and just constantly having like beers and nights out and connecting with people and doing shows and feeling tired and stuff. I, I, I suppose I blame work. You could always find 40 minutes or something in the day. I just... Yeah, and saying that, like, I, I, I mean, fuck knows, I need to exercise, and especially late at night. So I don't eat before a show, as I'm sure you don't. Like, no. most comics yep. don't eat before meals. Now, you know what's not open at the end of your show? Say 10 o'clock at night. Yep. You don't get the sushi shops or the salad bars <laughs> and tank juice. All those places have closed. You know what's open? Burger joints and fish yep. and chip shops and anything deep fry where you can get a deep fry scone, that's open. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not having my fucking keto meal 10 o'clock at night. So now you've, you're sitting with a heavy burger and chips thing. Um, but it's like you say, like we should technically just take 40 minutes, go for a walk. Yep. I think if yep. I could just go for a walk, but then I go, oh fuck, I'm so beyond just even walking. I need, I need weights. Like I need more than just a walk. But I yeah. don't. I should just get my fat ass out and go for a walk. But I don't. <laughs> I don't do that. Now I like every time we lose one. You know, we yep. lose a fatty. Like Adele, <laughs> we've lost her. She's yep. she's no longer one of ours. Rebel <laughs> Wilson, we lost her. Yep. Um, Melissa McCarthy, we basically lost her, although I see she's scanning a bit, which makes me happy. But <laughs> I just look at it and I go, you know, representation in the public eye is so important. Yeah. You know, be it woman, be it indigenous, be it queer, be it, it's very important to have positive, you know, people out there where young kids can look up to. And I just always like to think about young, fat Ursula. When I was a kid, seeing on telly and like, fuck, there's no one that looks like me. I'm a yeah. freak, you know. Um, but so I, I think I'm just going to stay fat for those kids. For you them. know, I have yeah. to stay fat for the young so they don't get bullied at school. People <laughs> go, uh, you're such a fatty. It's like, well, fuck, there's people like me on television, so come. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's just all about <laughs> positive you know, representation. <laughs> so you make that call, Dane. Absolutely. Do you want to go to the gym or do you want to be helpful to a young guy? Yeah, you're, you're going to be the reason why I'm going to be 12 beers deep on the weekend, eating a kebab, singing, we are the world. We are. <laughs> No child left behind, Dan. No <laughs> child left behind. Especially not the fat ones. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by the young and effervescent James Blake. The supervising producer was Nick McClear, and special thanks to Ella Leav and Beck Sutherland, who are both currently getting pedicures. If you like this episode, please remember to subscribe and share with a friend. Listener.